you for joining me for quite excellent episode number 48. This week's poem is The Victory by Ann Stevenson, and I found it in the fourth edition of the Siegel Book of Poems edited by Joseph Kelly. It finally moves us away from food-based poetry into something just a little bit different. Childbirth! Which, okay, a lot different. Before we can get to the victory, though, we need to revisit Marilyn Nelson's sonnet, Asparagus. I really enjoyed this poem for being a sonnet. It's one of the oldest poetic forms that we have, but it's also, kind of, about food and the moments that food can offer us. I don't even like asparagus, but this poem makes me want some. But when something is presented as romantically, both in its focus on the emotion and the warmth of its poetic voice, how could I not? Here's that poem. Marilyn Nelson, Asparagus. He taught me how to slurp asparagus. You hold it in your fingers, eat the stem by inches to the tender terminus, then close your eyes and suck in the sweet gem. First, cook it in its own delicious steam, saute breadcrumbs and butter separately, combine, eat slowly. As he ate, a gleam in his eyes twinkled with such jus d'esprit, it made me drunk with longing. In my chair, amid our laughing, slurping dinner guests, I felt as smug as a new billionaire. Not jealous, not rejected, not depressed, as almost obscene, almost a debauche. He slurped asparagus and winked at me. One of the things many students came back to in this poem is the way that a poem that is about asparagus theoretically, isn't really about that. And it actually seems to have a lot to do with a particular moment that happened in the past that someone has fond memories of. One student says the title is Asparagus, but I do not believe that it is the poem's primary focus. The author most likely titled it Asparagus to show the joy-filled moment brought from the food itself with another saying that the poem shows the speaker's fond memories that asparagus bring back. It's clear that this is a food that they are connected to, but eating asparagus maybe years, decades down the line might still bring that speaker back to this particular moment. Another said that this is about remembering and missing the small things. The entire scene is fun or pleasurable for the speaker, and they remember it in their hearts, even though it is a little thing. More students agreed with this idea. It came up frequently. Um, a student says that the narrator talks about this person in the past tense, the he of the poem, as if reminiscing. It made them, the speaker, long for something, long for this moment. And maybe as a result of this being a memory, it creates some kind of distance between the speaker and the he of the poem. Thankfully, students didn't just stop at saying that, oh, this is memorable, this is nostalgic, things like that, but rather they explored why it might be memorable. Some of these were just factual. Uh, a student said that the he of the poem had a specific way of eating asparagus that the speaker vividly remembers. And rather than just saying the he over and over again, uh, I might say the speaker's partner, for example. But since the speaker's partner's happiness shows through his eyes, and we see that the wink, there's also a gleam in his eyes, that twinkle, 
And this student says that because eyes are sometimes referred to as the windows to the soul, the delight that the partner is experiencing here is pure and honest. And for that reason, it stokes a memory that's really easy to come back to. A student points to the line that says, amid our laughing, slurping dinner guests, and then suggests that this laughing at a dinner suggests a kind of closeness of all the friends at a dinner. We associate group dinners with some kind of formality, I think, the student is suggesting, and laughing at a dinner suggests a closeness that overwhelms that formality. Another point to the line that says, I felt as smug as a new billionaire. And the student says that this shows how the speaker just got so many more lessons out of this experience. There's a wealth of experience, we can say, of emotions, memories, of good thoughts, things like that. A number of students also suggested that because of the importance that seems to be placed on the emotions of this experience, it might speak to what everyday life is like for the speaker outside of situations like these with this partner, with one student saying that emotions such as happiness and love are unusual things for the speaker. The speaker didn't feel jealous, rejected, or depressed here as they had dinner. They had previously gone through rejection and jealousy, and because those things weren't present at the dinner, it made sense to call them out, to point them out as things that were missing, but maybe normally were present. And that moves us into the romance of the poem. One student pointed to a few lines like the sweet gem and he taught me to slurp asparagus to suggest that the speaker is not only talking about the asparagus, but how he actually taught her to love again, how those emotions that the previous student was suggesting are so uncommon were made more possible in this romantic moment and particularly by this speaker. Another says that this poem shows her love for someone through the recipe of asparagus. It walks us through the process of eating and preparing in the same way that we are learning how their relationship, how this romance works. A student suggests the speaker probably noticed the intense emotion that they felt as they were watching their partner eat asparagus with that emotion, not just being uh, the happiness and the joy and the romance and love, but desire in particular. And a number of students talked about intimacy, which of course I brought up in the previous podcast, with one saying that the intimacy of this couple comes from the eye contact that they share. It isn't that they're just sitting down to share a meal, which is itself intimate, but they're also holding each other's gaze, which also matters here. One of the ways that happens, according to another student, is through the use of olfactory and gustatory imagery to convey this glorification. It, it focuses on these little details that you can smell and you can almost taste as though you are there in that space. And I think that probably adds to the intimacy of this situation that is created. Another student builds onto this idea saying that by using intimate imagery, Nelson described how something as simple as a meal can become a true moment for connection. That the speaker conveyed how tender the asparagus was prepared, that the asparagus is standing in as a metaphor for the connection between the speaker and her love. And that's a small action, that preparation 
of, of asparagus, which isn't even a meal. It's a side. It's a small thing to enjoy while doing something else, maybe having a conversation, which leads into one of the thematic ideas that a number of students pointed to, with one saying that the simplest of actions can have a romantic effect. Anything is able to set the brain into overdrive and producing the chemical responsible for love, even little gestures like how he winked at me. Another says the speaker expresses romance that can be imperfect and messy, and it uses French words that are more elegant and proper, theoretically, accentuating the vulgarity of the slurping of food. This, according to the student, teaches the speaker to become more playful and maybe more open and maybe more vulnerable. And that vulnerability of voice of the situation is an important part of this poem as well. A number of students focused on the way the speaker sounds, their attitude towards the partner and the situation and the memory. And that's the tone. And a lot of the word choices, the language choices, led students to thinking about this tone and the speaker in particular ways. One says the speaker speaks eloquently and tenderly, calling the top of the asparagus stock both a terminus and a sweet gem. They also think that the use of French terms and words adds an air of refinement to the poem, with another student suggesting that the French words suggest the love between them because France contains that city of love, and French is a romantic language. It has those baked-in connotations, those associations. A student says that the sentimental tone that the speaker uses when talking about asparagus seems rather absurd at first glance. However, when considering how much joy is present with both the vegetable and the people around them, it makes perfect sense. Another student pointing specifically to that language applied to the asparagus says they describe the asparagus as delicious, then tell us to eat it slowly, showing the soft and warm memories that the person has associated with that specific food. And a few students pointed to the word drunk that is used. A few suggested that maybe there's some actual intoxication happening here. Maybe they're actually drinking alcohol, and that's possible. These do seem to be adult people experiencing adult emotions, and maybe they're up to some more adult activities as well. Um, but we don't have to understand that term literally, with one student pointing to that word to suggest that the term drunk is used as an example to show the flirtatious way of falling in love, of feeling overwhelmed in that playful romance. And there are other pieces of language that matter here to other students, with one noting that this is a poem that depicts and shares the speaker's emotions in a romanticized way from the gleam in their loved one's eyes as he ate that made them drunk with longing. It isn't just that they're experiencing this drunkness. Uh, it's that there are specific aspects of the partner and the situation that create that feeling of being overwhelmed and maybe a little bit out of control. And there are more tones that other students argued that are part of this poem, including a feeling of pride, of appreciation, of being carefree. And all of these things are positive connotatively. There is a, a richness to the warmth of the speaker's voice that comes through. It is personally satisfying for the speaker to feel these things, but it's also rewarding for them to recognize the feelings they have for their partner. And honestly, sometimes poetry gets a bit of a bad rap of being associated with really negative connotations. Even sometimes the love poetry has to associate the challenges of feeling 
strong romantic emotions with pain and other things. And after looking at the responses of my students and reading through this poem again, it's hard not to be satisfied by a poem that just brings so much goodness along with it. Now, our next poem is The Victory by Anne Stevenson. After Asparagus, I wanted a poem that had a different sort of intimacy, and childbirth is about as intimate and vulnerable a situation as I can imagine. But in this poem, it's also a struggle, a contest between opponents of sorts. This is not a romanticized birth. There is no warm glow and motherly cooing, no sweet lullabies. This is a poem that is violent and bloody and what sounds very much like war. And yet there is love here and beauty, if the sounds of the poem are anything to go by. Just look at how consistent the rhyme is or the alliterative B sounds in the early stanzas, and the S's in the final stanza. Because of this interesting mix of things that don't seem like they belong together, the secret passphrase for this week is juxtaposition. We've used this a bit in class, but as a reminder, a juxtaposition is where the differences between two things are made more clear because of how close those two things are to each other. Examples might be a comfortable lounge chair as an option to sit down right next to a bar stool, or a tall man and a young boy both trying to hang party decorations. Putting them in the same situation near each other creates an automatic contrast between them. Imagine someone singing Smash Mouth's All-Star at a funeral. If your first thought is, huh, those um, don't really belong together, well, that's because... This is one heck of a juxtaposition. The mood of the mourners at a funeral likely don't match the bombast of that song. You'll want to use the word by describing the juxtaposition of one thing and some other thing, or by explaining how one thing is juxtaposed by or against another thing. And don't just use the word, have something to say about the comparison you are describing. And be sure to maybe look it up, use spell check, You want to make sure you get that spelling right. Our writing task is going to be the same as the one we had last week. Writing claims is essential for strong analysis, and this needs to be stressed. So, you again need a highly specific claim, and definitely not a claim that just summarizes. Your claim must have a clear what and a clear how. The what should be the point you are trying to make. For example... In asparagus, you could have said that the poem is about cherishing small moments with people we love. The how is a major way the what is presented. In asparagus, the speaker uses tactile and olfactory imagery to make its point. Written as a single claim, this sounds like this. In the sonnet, Asparagus, poet Marilyn Nelson uses tactile and olfactory imagery to convey the importance of cherishing the small moments with those we love. Here's the poem. Anne Stevenson, The Victory I thought you were my victory, though you cut me like a knife when I brought you out of my body into your life. Tiny antagonist, gory, blue as a bruise, the stains of your cloud of glory bled from my veins. How can you dare, blind thing, blank, insect eyes, You barb the air, you sting with bladed cries. Snail, 
scary knot of desires, hungry snarl. Small son, why do I have to love you? How have you won? Students, be sure to use the word juxtaposition or another form like juxtaposed or juxtaposing, and make sure you complete the writing task as well, which is to again write a claim with a specific what and how. There is a drawing attached to the assignment that should be useful if you want more examples of how this can be done. All our previous writing tasks are still great guides for strong writing, by the way, so consider including brief summaries, short or single word quotations, maybe a semicolon. Avoid the word quote, then use more than one quote in your sentences. Keep creating variety in your sentence structures and word choice. Oh, and thanks for not using paint in a picture or anything similar. I'm sleeping so well these days just because you've removed them from your responses. This is a poem with multiple stanzas, so be sure you're using the correct type of slashes. If you quote two lines that are in the same stanza, use a single slash between them in your quotation. If you're quoting from two lines in different stanzas, you'll need two slashes, that double slash. Although, honestly, I don't expect you to do this very often. Each stanza finishes with a complete idea wrapped up with a period, and I'd prefer you not to quote multiple sentences. Remember to complete your paragraph-length response by Wednesday, March 24th, 2021, and two replies to the responses of your peers by the Friday that ends the week. Your paragraph-length response should include a tag and make a claim in the opening sentence or two. And any evidence you use should be short, embedded smoothly into your sentences, and fully explained. Quick reminder about claims. They must require proof. If your first sentence just says this is a poem about a childbirth, that is not a claim. Your claim cannot be obvious. Be sure to read the assignment instructions for a full breakdown of the expectations. If you enjoy this podcast, have suggestions, or would like our class to direct an eye toward a particular poem or poetic device, leave a comment on LeidenTeaches.com or on Twitter. I am at LeidenTeaches. The content of this podcast is used as a companion to class instructional activities, and ownership of these texts remain with their stated authors. Thank you for joining me for episode 48 of this podcast. I hope that between now and the next time you hear from me, you discover and savor a few things that you yourself find quite excellent.